Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, first of all, I'd like to say good morning to everybody and happy Mother's Day to all the lovely mothers here and all the lovely mums that are online. You know, a lot of you don't know who I am, so I'm just going to introduce myself. My name's Pauline and I have been blessed with two beautiful girls, Amanda and Vanessa, a stepdaughter, Kerry, and six wonderful grandchildren, ranging from the age of 13 down to 2. I love every one of them. They're all different. They all have different challenges, but I really love them, and they're all been such a blessing to me. And I'm also so thankful for my own mum, for all that she's done for me, as I wouldn't be the woman I am today if it wasn't for her. I miss her. This is my second year without my mum. And it is hard... But, you know, I have got an inner peace because I know that my mum is up there with the Lord and one day I will get to see her again. You know, she brought me up knowing that there was a God. She taught me a lot of Bible stories like Noah, David and Goliath and all the other ones that you get at Sunday school. They were fantastic. But as I'm sure... I don't need to tell you all that life can be hard and unfair at times. As my mum would say, life's no picnic. I got married in 1988, but in 1999 I was devastated that my marriage had ended. It left me feeling hurt, angry, and I actually felt a failure. I felt it was my fault. And I would trust no one. I built a brick wall around my heart. But you know, God was there with me. I just didn't know it. I was a single mum working very hard during this time. And it is a struggle being a single mum. In fact, it's just a struggle being a mum. You know, my youngest daughter, Vanessa, who would have been about seven or eight at that time, she was the one that led me to the Lord and brought me in with a relationship with him. Isn't it amazing how God can use such a young children in such a big way? With God helping me, he removed all the walls that I had put around my heart, taking them apart brick by brick. I learned to forgive, I learned how to trust, and I learned how to love again. He gave me a second chance of love, and by 20, 20, I can't even get the date right. Um, by 200, I'm not saying it right. Oh, I get married again. <laughs> Put it that way. And I was so blessed to be married to a wonderful man, Stephen. And I love him so much. I'm not saying that over that period, life did become a picnic. Because putting two families of children together was setting off fireworks uh, it was extremely difficult we faced many many challenges and I'm sure without God I would never have got through it and I don't know where I'd have been today 
I've also seen many prayers answered and many miracles done. Miracles in Vanessa, in Jack's life, which is for Vanessa to share one day, and I'm sure she will. But for today, I would like to share the miracle of healing that God had granted me. As some of you in here know and know me, that in 2017, I suffer from Guillain-Barre syndrome. For those who don't know what Guillain-Barre is, it's where your body thinks you've got an infection and it sends down the cells down your body and it kills off all your nervous system. But I give praise to God because it happened the week after Vanessa's wedding. I was happy that I could manage to dance at her wedding, sing at her wedding, and most importantly, smile at her wedding. But when it happened to me and I was admitted into hospital, 24 hours later, I was paralysed from the waist down. My face looked as if I'd had a stroke. I couldn't shut my eyes and my speech was badly infected. I had difficulty in swallowing, but God was good to me through this. I had no fear. I knew God was in control. But sadly, one day, I was extremely saddened. My granddaughter had come up to visit, and they were frightened of me because of my face. But after they left, I started to pray, and a nurse came in, but I continued to pray while she was there. I asked God if he could do something about my face. It wasn't down to vanity. I just didn't want my grandchildren to be afraid of me. The next morning, the nurse came in, and all I could say was, was, couldn't smile, but all I could say was, look, look what God's done. He's fixed my face. She shrugged it off and said, well, actually, the other said, your face is now paralyzed. But she returned and said, I didn't ask God to fix it. I asked God to make sure my grandchildren weren't scared of me. But I don't think she believed me at that point about God. Do you know, I get so many prayers prayed over me. As soon as I knew that I had Guillain-Barre syndrome, I texted everybody who I knew had a faith and asked for prayer. I had Michael and I had John Daniels come up and they laid hands on me. And you know, it was fine. I had no worries whatsoever. But you know, you turn around and told you're going to be in hospital for months, Begill and Barry, not weeks. You're told that you're not going to be able to walk in any kind of forum. It takes approximately a year. But with the praying and laying hands on myself, in two weeks, I was walking. I was walking with AIDS, but you know, two weeks, I was in here, in church, singing and praising God. Many people have seen it. It is a miracle in itself. You know, when I came back, it was about six weeks later, I was to go and see the consultant. And this was ended up being the consultant who had actually originally diagnosed me, but he'd went away on holiday. And when I stood in front of him, he was amazed. He turned around and told me that actually they were setting up to put me in a coma because my respiratory signs were all showing that they were starting to fail. Yet, 
six weeks later, I was standing in front of him. Now, that's the power of our God and the power of prayer. There's so many people in the Bible that are really encouraging, and it's just so hard just to pick one. I've done writing stuff on different people in the Bible, but, you know, it just wasn't working. And then came Paul. Paul, formerly known as Saul, the man who persecuted Christians. He threw them in jail and even had them put to death. Now, isn't it amazing and how encouraging that our God can actually use a man who actually goes out and hunts down and puts God's own people to death? The transformation from Saul to Paul, the heart that was changed, how Paul became one of Jesus' disciples, one of the main pillars of strength, the gospel and the sharing of the gospel with the Gentiles in the pagan nation. Sometimes it's hard to remember that this is the Paul who denied knowing Jesus, not once, but three times. He turned into one of the most influential writers in the book of the Bible. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Romans 1 and 2, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians 1 and 2, Thessalonians 1 and 2, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. So I said it right. Paul's books were actually a gathering of letters that he wrote to congregations and fellow brothers and sisters, encouraging them in Christ right through his ministry. In the books, I can see that Paul had a deep love and care for the growing of Christians in the Christian church and the way that he helped people become saved and grown in their faith. Writing letters allowed Paul to continue urging others on and by their faith. He wrote these books over a span of his ministry. Through all sorts of circumstances, even when he was flung in prison, he was still showed the love of Jesus, giving thanks and spreading the good news. Personally, I feel so encouraged by Paul. Paul's letters address many themes and topics such as marriage, Christian living, sinfulness, righteousness and grace. Paul wrote about suffering, joy, discipline, forgiveness, and that Jesus was coming back. Other themes Paul addressed were unity in the body of Christ, dying to one's flesh, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Central to all Paul's letters is the overreaching theme of saving by faith, in Jesus. Paul had been put in prison, but yet he still sung out for salvation. He turned around and told us that our salvation isn't by us. It's a gift, and it's a gift for God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8, Paul writes, By grace you have been saved, through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Even at the end of Paul's life, when he faced death, 
Paul fully understood and trusted in God. He knew that God was with him and that it had been an honor to serve God. Paul died as a martyr for Jesus, one who helped and advanced the growth of Christian churches and ultimately for the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, Paul writes, The time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, but now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Not only to me, but to others who all long for his appearance. Now note that last bit there. It's not only for him. It's also for everyone. It's not only for him, but also to all who long for God. Now, wow, if that's not an encouragement, I don't know. It really has encouraged me. Thank you. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. Thanks. Good afternoon, church. Ooh. Good afternoon, church. Um, it's a blessing to share with you again this afternoon. Um, happy Mother's Day to all moms, biological moms, moms by adoption, grandmothers, mothers-in-law, day two, uh, godmothers, and mothers-to-be. I've been blessed to be a mom, and this is my first Mother's Day with three kids, and the dynamics is definitely different. But there are lessons that we learn, that I learn from my children that remind me of the character of God. Um, this morning, before I forget, while she's here, um, Grace gave me Happy Mother's Day card. And inside it, it says, To mom, I'm so lucky to have you as my mom. Love, Grace. And made with love. By grace, by grace. This morning I got shoved in the face with it. So, so much love was given. <laughs> um, so like I said, um, there are lessons I learned from my children. Apart from lessons um, to cope with their TV shows, before you know it, you're humming their songs at work and it's very distracting. But Jesus did say, um, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So certainly we should look at them and learn some lessons. Um, That's from Matthew 18.4. My daughter Grace, the same Grace, um, is like your daughter, like your son, um, at 8 going on 18. And she gets a lot of no's to her request. Can I bake this recipe that I saw on TV and make your your kitchen a bomb site? No. Can I ship Andrew away to Nigeria? He does not want to share the tablet. No. Can I get a dog? Yes, when you get your own house. Um, And in all of this knows, Grace forgives me. She always asks for a hug. She asks to spend time with me at movie night. And she's just a blessing overall. And in that, I'm reminded of the gift of love and forgiveness through the life and death of Jesus Christ. And this has definitely been put to test in my work life. I work with the general public, and the general public... (laughs) 
the general public. <laughs> like I'm, it's a love love hate relationship with the general public. And at my workplace, we say our job would be excellent if we didn't have the general public, but we need them. And my industry heavily relies on customer service as a key performance. Um, indicator. So, but when I started, I was a star. Great with customers, great customers review. Um, like I shared in the morning service, my favorite is, uh, because my name is Tosin, you get, my, my name gets butchered and it comes out as Toxin is good. So, you know, Toxin is good. Um, so, I, like I said, I was at my I felt on top of my game. Then all of a sudden, customers complaints um, started coming in. I was always called to the naughty step by the bosses and in those times tears, resentment, bitterness and I started to feel just out of place. I'm supposed to be a natural people person and why am I all of a sudden struggling? Well, whenever I find myself burdened with problem, I start to look for Bible verses that help me pray about the situation and the trending pattern that was coming off was love and forgiveness and as moms you know, that's supposed to be your strong point at this point, I'm starting to struggle. An encouraging quote that came from the church's devotional, Great Prayers of the Bible, says, every miracle starts with a problem and every solution begins with a prayer. So I encourage everyone that has talked away that devotional to open it up and start to dig into the things of God. So then on, I started to pray over myself. I started to say to myself, for my God-given job, let the Father's love flow through me to make every person feel very important and let the customers receive the love of God through me. Because the Bible says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. John fifteen twelve. And mothers, we know how to show love. Like when it comes to the general public, I'm also reminded to show love. Jesus says, Jesus, thank you for showing me that what unconditional love looks like. It's because you love me deeply that you ask me to, sh- to show love to others. Please help me with this. Show me how to love others like you have loved me. Bring to my mind ways I can honor others and then help me to do so with gladness and joy. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Romans twelve ten. Forgiveness is the second thing. And forgiveness is something I've definitely had to learn the hard way. Um, And definitely, again, you're faced with the general public. You have to learn forgiveness. And because forgiveness is a powerful tool in the hand of a honest heart, the one that desires wholeness and growth. Definitely, forgiveness teaches you growth. Um, Forgiveness mirrors the heart of Jesus. Forgiveness declares that grace is greater than the bitterness or resentment. So whenever I face with a complaint at work, I have to remember grace, my daughter, and also have to remember the grace of God. It does not give a shed of power to our offender. It actually sets us free. Make allowances for, every, for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You so must forgive others. I'm definitely drawn to the... Um, the story of Martha and, and Mary, where we see Martha is very busy, very active, and as moms, we can get caught up in that. But we also see uh, Mary gently going at the feet of Jesus and you know, st- staying there and receiving the master's love. She, Jesus was able to 
um, point out that Mary chose the best part when she chose him. At the beginning of 2022, I began to consciously show love to customers, and customers are so much nicer when they interact with pregnant women, so I was so glad to be pregnant at that time, and I thank God that good reviews and good customer service have started to roll in. It's a full-time job being a mom, and as we go back to our full-time jobs, it's also a hard task trying to merge that, but as full-time mom, full-time moms, uh, and as moms raising passionate Jesus followers, let's be quick to show love and forgiveness, more so to those in our work life. We are the Bible that they read. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you. Okay, not going to cry. Cried the first service, won't cry this service. I try. <laughs> um, well, it's my privilege to just bring a short thought for a short message for Mother's Day. And when Elizabeth asked me a few weeks ago if I would share on a woman in the Bible who kind of relates to my testimony, my first initial thought went to Ruth. And I love the book of Ruth in the Bible. And I love that even though the, that the name of God isn't mentioned, it's evident that he's woven through her story. But this morning, I don't just want to have a look at the character of Ruth. I want to have a look at the relationship between Ruth and Naomi. You see, if I could be any Disney character, I think I would choose to be the fairy godmother. And not because I want to have a magic wand or I want to change people's outfits this morning. Yours, just yours, Stephen. <laughs> or change your cars. Um, but what I love about the, the fairy godmother and the story of Cinderella is the fact that in Cinderella's time of need, she was there. She was just there. And her influence changed the direction of Cinderella's life. And because of my love for the story of Cinderella, when Lisa Bevere released her book, Godmothers, I knew that it was a book that I needed to read. And in this book, Lisa Bevere looks at the role of a godmother and explains why we need one and how we can be one. You know, some of us might have godparents or might have been, or may have been asked to be a godparent, but I believe that there are people that we do life with that need us to come alongside them in the form of a, of a godmother or a godfather and be the influence that they need in life. And in her book, Lisa Bevere writes, godmothers are engaged as they walk alongside their goddaughters. Their relationship is based on a covenant rather than competition. You see, as godmothers, we want our goddaughters to go further in life and and faith than we have traveled. Godmothers believe in who their godchildren are becoming. Godmothers are women who are committed to growing others. This translates to speaking life, faith, and sometimes correction in their life. And that applies to men as well as godfathers. But what I love about the book of Ruth is that the, is that beautiful relationship between Ruth and Naomi, a real godmother and goddaughter relationship. So what can we learn from this today? Well, firstly, like Ruth, we have lineage to Jesus. You know, Ruth walked this journey with Naomi beside her, and he didn't leave each other, and he found themselves in the place that changed their destiny. Ruth and Naomi journey together, and their journey leads them to Boaz, who becomes Ruth's husband, and then they have a son, Obed, who is a grandfather of King David. And Ruth's story is ordinary. Perhaps that's what makes it so compelling. She doesn't come from a famous family. She doesn't have great riches or a great position. Ruth is just a widow, one from an enemy nation, and nothing is going going in her favor, but she's brave and her faith never wavers. And yet in the life of this foreign widow who has nothing becomes so important that she's included in the Bible and her name is recognized in the lineage of Jesus. 
You know, we have a purpose to get alongside people and journey with them. And when we do that, we can speak life and faith into them. Because when unity happens, breakthrough can take place. And secondly, we are called to be a blessing. You know, Ruth and Naomi find themselves in an awful situation. Naomi has lost her whole family, and Ruth has lost her husband. And Naomi urges her daughters-in-law to return to their own families because she had no purpose for them anymore. You know, life will always allow us the opportunity to go back. And in the situation of Ruth and Naomi and the other daughter-in-law, Naomi argued she had nothing left to give them and that it made sense for them to go back. But one chose to go back to the familiar, but Ruth chose to go forward into the unknown and her life changed from ordinary to extraordinary. And in Ruth chapter four, verse eight, sorry, Ruth chapter one, verse fourteen, it says Ruth clung to Naomi, and then she goes on to speak these beautiful words in verse sixteen. And this is from the Message translation. But Ruth said, "Don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go, and where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people, and your God is my God." You know, Ruth clung to Naomi. What a strength that must have brought to Naomi! And, you know, sometimes we just have to be there for people to cling to us, and we need to be have people that we can cling to as well, and to be a blessing for them. And finally, relationships are key. You know, Ruth and Naomi's relationship wouldn't have worked if their relationship wasn't important. And being a godmother or godfather means being open with others. It's about getting alongside them, building them up, and being there for them and guiding them on on the right path. And I love that Charlotte sends me messages to ask me what's the best way to curl her hair or tells me that she's bought new makeup. And I'm excited for the day that she tells me that she's bought a dress or to Stephen's disgust that she's got a boyfriend, you know. But these messages wouldn't happen if the relationship between Charlotte and I wasn't there. And I love that we have that relationship. I love that it's Charlotte and it's other people in church that we can have that relationship with. You know, we journey together. And I love that no matter how I'm feeling, how bad my day's been or how tired you are, that Samuel comes running up and he gives you a cuddle to say, Auntie Michelle, how's your day? But I also love that he calls me Auntie Michelle when everybody else calls me Auntie Shell. But, you know, towards the end of her book, Lisa Bevere writes, Brave Goddaughter, don't miss the fact that the extraordinary hides within how we handle the ordinary and the band can come. You know, five and a half years ago, life changed when a whirlwind of a little girl arrived in my class, dirty, unkept, and her life was chaotic. And my life very quickly became chaotic too. You know, every day was a challenge between her violent outbursts, having to mother her and look after her, as well as trying to teach the rest of the class. Yet that year, life changed. This wee girl stole a piece of my heart. And when she left my class in the summer to go to a new school, I found it really hard to let go because she'd made a massive impact on my life. It would have been easy for me to turn back to the familiar and take on the new class next year. But I knew that she'd come into my life for a reason. And it's been a tough journey, you know, working with social work to be part of her life again. But 18 months later, I got to be part of her life again. And every Monday she comes for tea. You know, we've had weekends together. We have days out together. She's very much part of our family. But while life is still chaotic for her and her behaviour really reflects this, she comes weekly and we see none of that. 
the odd swear word at times. But I love that in the midst of our chaos, we can be peace for her. And time and time again, I tell professionals at meetings, it's not because I have a magic wand, it's because I have a relationship, that I'm the only consistent adult in her life that hasn't left her. But I've had to fight, it's not been easy. I've had to prove myself to social work time and time again. And it's only just recently I received a message that says, we realise how important it is to Ava to stay connected with you because you're the one constant in her life. We can all see how much you mean to her. It's like you've been handpicked for her life. So this morning, you might love Mother's Day. You might hate it. You might find it difficult. But I encourage you to look up and see who God has handpicked for you to get alongside and become a godmother or godfather too because someone out there deserves someone like you to change the destiny of their lives. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.